0: What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James K. With me on the mic, as always, is your co-host Christopher J. Pennant. Chris, we have just so many things to talk about today. Since uh we had a postponed podcast after the Sky made the playoffs, and just a litany of other things that we're going to get into in this episode. But how are you doing today, man? It's uh. I'm glad that we got a chance to do this and we get to talk a little bit about Sky Basketball.
1: Yeah. Doing as best we can. Right. Um, You know, you know, you know, so from that perspective, it's, I think it's easier to take last night's loss and compartmentalize it in the correct fashion. So did it suck a lot? Yeah, really sucked. But still just one loss in a season and uh you know so dealing with it as best as best you can
0: yeah man uh for sure and i just want to say i appreciate all the people that reached out about you know my grandma who unfortunately passed away yesterday um you know it's hard to think about basketball but it's always i love this community so much and you know i wasn't on social media yesterday i was watching the sky game but I just appreciate the community support in all the ways that it has over the last few years. So, um, you know, on a, on a brighter note, the sky have, uh, there's a reason to be optimistic about the sky. We're going to get into all of it. You know, Kalia Copper's extension her two years super max deal that she inked right before the playoffs. And just a li- like, again, a lot of things to get into here. So the sky Struggled last night, Chris. So let's just put it out there. It's pretty simple. I mean, this team, after pushing for the playoffs, despite everything that happened this year, I mean, one congratulations to them after, again, everything they went through this year with the coaching change and season ending injuries and multiple losing streaks to get to this position where they're in the playoffs and don't have to deal with talk about the lottery pick being lost for next year. Now they just give up the number five pick to Dallas. So they avoided all of that mania, but they did draw the aces in the first round. So yesterday they lost 87-59. And from the onset, it really did feel like the aces were in control. I think the result speaks for itself in that regard, but the offense did struggle to generate open looks. And it was honestly, it just was a cakewalk for the aces in this game. Um, I don't I didn't think it was all too surprising, given how these two teams played in the regular season. But let's start here. Do you think this guy can turn the series around um, or do you kind of think that they're just kind of overmatched by what has been the best team in the league since the start of the season?
1: Man, I really do want to say that there's something that they can that they can work on because you have extended time. Between uh, yesterday and Sunday, and you have the added bonus of not having to travel. So all you really need to do is rest, practice, maybe even get away from the court for a day or two, and just clear your head and your focus. Because uh, it's it's kind of it reminds me of a of a, a line from a book that I like. It was granted it was a, ba- a baseball book, but there's the manager's doing an interview. And it's like, what's there to say about a nine-zero beating? They just clubbed us to death, and that's really what—that's what happened yesterday. The problem is, I don't know if there's anything that the Aces did yesterday that's an exploitable weakness. I—I yeah. I think the only thing I really saw that is plausible is having Chelsea Gay get Chelsea Gray get in foul trouble, but from what we saw yesterday, it's hard for it's going to be a a stretch for the referees to call the aces on contact or hard contact. Even though both teams had an equal number of foul calls midway through the game, they were pretty much letting a lot. They were letting a lot of hand checking go. They were letting some contact at the rim go. And that's what you get when you have a team that everybody assumed was going to break the record for wins and offense in a season and so many other things, and they have a presumptive MVP slash Defensive Player of the Year manning their paint and a future Hall of Famer bringing the ball up. The, the entire reason that the Aces were able to dictate the pace of the game is because they had Asia and Kaya Stokes at the back ready to collapse and clean anything up, not to mention that the Sky's offense is somewhat is still somewhat disjointed, but they were so able to gamble for steals and jump passing around jump passing lanes because they knew that they had help behind. That's something that I mean we've seen with the sky that they haven't had without Rebecca Gardner, and to some degree without Izzy Harrison alongside Elizabeth Williams and Alana Smith. And as the fact that Alana Smith got into foul trouble early. So I, I don't know what weakness there is to exploit with the Aces. They didn't, they certainly didn't really sh- they didn't really show anything yesterday aside from a small drop when they went to their bench, but it was so minuscule that the sky weren't able to counteract it. And the aces pretty much just threw the kitchen sink at Dana Evans. Um, So even when she was able to get to the lane, which she was able to get to the lane on drives, there were two players around her and she wasn't able to finish with regularity. So it's going to be a hard sell. They're just going to have to play their, they're going to have to play their hardest, best game of the year on Sunday to push it to game three and have a shot.
0: I think the tough part too is that the aces didn't even play their best game. You know, Asia Wilson and give the sky credit. They held her to 14 points, I think on 14 shots. And obviously that, I mean, Asia impacts the game so much still where the reason that she's probably struggling on the offensive end is because of the amount of tension she (laughs) draws. And then that leaves someone else open on the perimeter. And this team can just attack you in so many different ways, but I don't really know what the Sky are going to be able to do in game two as much because a lot of the same problems that we've seen over this entire season, we saw yesterday. I mean, this team had 14 turnovers and only 14 assists. They really struggled to move the ball. There was especially in the first quarter. There was just a lot of quick shots and the Aces, who have been one of the best defensive teams in the WNBA consistently throughout the entire year, just didn't give the sky a lot of open looks and the sky were just not able to generate really any offense and get those open looks. And when, you, when that happens, the entire offense kind of collapses. And I'm glad that you brought up Kia Stokes too, because I think people kind of forgot how good she has been with Aja Wilson, even dating back to last year, when she became like the starting center and Her and Asia just know how to pick offenses apart, honestly, like in the post, man. I mean, so I was looking it up right before. Since August 1st, the Aces have a 96.8 defensive rating in 437 possessions. When those two are on the floor together, when you just look at how the sky really struggled yesterday scoring in the paint, they only had 28 points in the paint. I don't really know what you do to take away not just Asia Wilson from... Like you know, don't, Even if you pull Asia Wilson out to the perimeter, you still have Kia Stokes out there who is able to protect the rim just as well. I am. I just don't know what the Sky are going to be able to do in that regard, but what else st- stood out to you? I mean, do you is there anything specifically outside of, I don't know, just like what stood out to you in terms of what you think the Sky need to do in order to make things a little bit more competitive in game two?
1: There were moments, uh, a couple of moments of, sun peeking through the clouds when the sky were able to hit a shot, get back on defense and they set up in their two, three zone. That did bother the aces somewhat. They were passing the ball around and they had a clear idea of where to go with it. But when they brought the ball to the corner or brought the ball to the wing, they weren't putting, uh, they weren't sacking a body at the free throw line and trying to get the zone to collapse. And the sky, when they Got misses and were able to hit the defensive glass, it was in those possessions. When they were regularly able to do that, it was in those possessions. I can't give you an accurate count because I only remember seeing it maybe three times, maybe four times yesterday where they were able to set up in that 2 3. And over the season, I've waxed and waned on how, a, on my thoughts of, of its effectiveness. But those were the times when the sky really looked effective defensively yesterday it was when they were able to set up in that two, three, and maybe push the ball out to the perimeter. When Vegas was able to get open shots, it was because they had the defense scrambling and a man-to-man uh, set. And it was because the sky were in that man-to-man and the ball got down to the free throw line. And they either had to double Asia or even Chelsea Gray cutting into the paint. So if you can get opportunities to force them into either late shot clock moments or force them into moving the ball around the perimeter. I think you have a team that, even in the set that they have, where Alana Smith or Elizabeth Williams or Courtney Williams was defending somebody in a mismatch, most of the time, that's one thing that you have to try. I think you have to try and get those opportunities to either force them into missed shots or violations because the aces are a team that even if you turn them over in a live ball situation, they're already hunting for the ball to get it back. We saw Jackie Young leaking out on presumptive fast breaks and getting turnovers, forcing turnovers along with Chelsea Gray, along with Kelsey Plum, along with whomever was in a black shirt on the floor at any given time. So I think you have to try and and do your best to put it to a half court game and limit their fast breaking opportunities. Tough sell again, but that's, you've got to pick, you've got to pick your poison with this team.
0: You really do. And there's just so many options when it comes to the poison, man. I mean, we've seen it all season where this team is just able to win in a variety of ways and. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what they're supposed to do, especially stopping teams or especially stopping the aces in transition or generating early offense. This team really struggled to protect the ball yesterday. And I'm you know what? I'm just going to I'm not going to dance around it. I'm just going to ask you straight up. I know offensively it didn't look all that great yesterday from Dana. I like it just wasn't the ball wasn't going through the hoop. All right. Going through the net. Despite that, just given what Dana is able to provide, like what her ceiling is when she does get going on both ends of the floor. Do you think just given how Marina is just hot and cold, we also, she has not been that consistent this year. I think it's fair to say that just from what her highs are versus what her lows are. And even Courtney Williams has had some up and down moments, even though, I do think sometimes the offense can kind of fall apart a little bit when she's not directing it. Do you think the sky could use a little more Dana Evans in game two, kind of just throw, like, use her as a haymaker almost, as like that flamethrower off the bench? And if Courtney and Marina are struggling, that maybe Emre tries to go to Dana a little bit quicker than maybe we've seen this season potentially, or throughout the season.
1: I think there's some possibilities for that. If you have Courtney on the floor with Dana, um, Marina's just overall demeanor is kind of like the Aces are able to just pick at that scab. Uh, it was evident in the in I believe the third quarter. Uh, Dana got a frustration foul trying to get space on Alicia Clark and got called for an offensive foul. Um, and uh, the possession before that, she and I think Jackie, Jackie Young, she and Jackie Young were really battling it for position inside and Jackie Young got called for a common foul. Um, you know, there's, I think Jackie, it was, it was nothing malicious. Jackie gave her like a pat on the back. It's two Notre Dame grads going at it. But if Marina doesn't get into her offense early, then she's kind of, you know, trying to carve out a niche for herself and literally carve out with that left arm sweep. <laughs> and when you're playing at home with, which, uh, Cass J, shout out to Cass J 22 on Twitter. She reminded me that the Aces weren't actually technically playing at home. They were playing at a a neutral arena site tech, you know, somewhat in Las Vegas and then Sunday they'll be in Michelob Ultra, which she said it was going to, it's going to be more full because it's a Sunday. It's not a school night and people are more used to it and you're more on top of the action. So that part is important given the calls that Las Vegas was getting and the way they were allowed to play. In that place, which is not as close, or the fans not as on top of the action as they will be on Sunday. So if Marina doesn't get into her offense early or gets some calls against her early, then I think there's some viability of going to Dana if for nothing else to try and disrupt some of the Las Vegas' offensive flow. With Chelsea Gray, that's like trying to split a glacier with, with a needle. But you've got to do something.
0: You're right. I mean, there's really no such thing as stopping Chelsea Gray or stopping Asia Wilson, right? You can contain them. You can contain them, but you can't full-on stop them. And we saw what that looks like last year when they went on to win a championship. And those two just have a control over the game that it's just it's rare to find that in a duo, And then on top of it, you have someone like Jackie Young, who's been one of the most efficient scorers in the WNBA over the last two years, on top of a movement shooter and Kelsey Plum, who's improved her finishing at the rim and has been just electric. I mean, I know that we're recording on Thursday, the game's on Sunday. Man, I just don't know if there's enough that this guy can do between now and Sunday for them to really get back in this series and... Honestly, man, I don't mean to just move away from the game action, but the Sky did everything they needed to do this season because they were able to secure Kalia Copper to a two-year Supermax extension, Chris. Like, when I'm watching this game, especially yesterday, I mean, I was thinking about one just in terms of, like, optics and everything. Thank God that Ka has signed this deal because what the Sky would have to deal with on the other end of this series, potentially, if they end up losing, which... Again, not to be mean to you all, Sky Town, but I just think that's where the series is heading. I was just thinking about like, okay, the sky can kind of avoid dealing with what would what would it come if Kalia Copperhand signed a supermax extension. And I think we should get into it, man. I do think that this is one of the biggest things the sky have done this year. And they did enough to sell Ka on coming back to Chicago. So, like I said, it was announced earlier this week that. Ka would be coming back to the sky for two years and this was this comes after she said that she was planning on testing out free agency and to just see what is out there and the tone of Ka talking about free agency between a few weeks ago and to when she signed the extension it's she got her answers and this is what she told the Chicago Sun-Times there are a lot of things that aren't out some respecting the privacy of the organization but there are things set in place for me, a lot of things are up in the air, and I understand you like, you all are figuring it out. But let's just shake on the fact that you told me this was going to happen. This is going to happen, <laughs> and this is going to happen. This guy were able to do that for me. Let's start from the top of this whole thing. Chris, just given everything that we've heard about Ka and what we've discussed, what other people have discussed, what Annie has reported, did you see this coming? Did you see Kalia Copper signing a two-year deal just signing an extension with this guy when they were able to do it before she could enter free agency?
1: No, no, I didn't. I thought that she would test the water somewhat, Um, even given the fact that they satisfied my criteria that, you know, you have to make the playoffs. That's what I said. You absolutely have to make the playoffs in order to give COD some impetus to stick around. And they did that. But I think we discussed the last time out that they would start the head coaching search and that would weigh into her decision as well now given the you know somewhat somewhat I will say somewhat cryptic nature of that answer maybe there were some agreements about where that head coaching search would go I would hope that you don't make promises about who you're going to hire because I think that's bad business especially when some of that decision lies in the Candidates' hands, but I'm sure that that was, it was involved in that as well as, ideally, a practice facility and some other incentives in there. But I thought that you know she would test the waters. I don't know if her in the decision was influenced by Jewel Lloyd deciding to resign with Seattle at all, but I think that both of those are telling somewhat. And uh, Shimmy Gray Miller came on the CHGO Sky Show the other day and said that. Um, the destinations like the plausible destinations or deals that she might get elsewhere weren't palatable. And I I think there's something to that New York, Las Vegas, they're the presumptive um, heads of the table right now. And then you have Atlanta, Indiana, Dallas, Minnesota, you know, really I think Minnesota was the only team in there that I just mentioned, maybe Dallas, that could use another wing, but I think once the fact that Dallas was willing to give up Marina Mabry said where they were putting their eggs in terms of their their wing scorers, and with Minnesota, they have players who are, they're trying to work in and come back from injury. So I think it would be... I, I guess I agree with Shimmy on that, that there were just no other... There weren't that many great palatable options or people that had enough cap space to re-sign Ka. And, I mean, she definitely didn't – it wasn't that she took a hometown discount. She's getting the Supermax, and it's a two-year deal. So I think it's for the Sky now to accelerate their timeline as best they can uh, whenever the offseason comes. But I was still
0: surprised
1: that she chose to sign prior to the end of the season.
0: I think the one thing I would push back on in terms of there not being other destinations out there for – caught to go-to is that a lot can change between September and January. And I think we saw that last year where now the, there's a lot of movement happening in the W. Obviously not every year is going to be built differently where, or obviously not every year is going to be built the same is what I mean, where we're going to see a superstar like John Quell Jones become available and then traded to New York and then have these big free agents like Rihanna Stewart, Courtney VanderSloot, I'll go to New York or Candace Parker, go to Vegas. Like there's just not going to be a lot of years like that, or at least it's not going to consistently be like that every year. So, but I still think a lot can happen between, you know, five months. And, but I also get that point as well. And I'm honestly, when I saw this newsman, I thought a lot about what Courtney Vander and Allie Quigley said after game four of 2021, when this guy won the championship and those two had Stuck around for the worst parts of that franchise, what they've gone through and to come out winning and the value they saw in helping build the foundation of a championship team. And then after for salute, you know, like 10 years of trying to get to the point where they would be the last one standing, how much gratification they got from that. And Kalia Copper does not seem like someone that is willing to shy away from the work that goes into putting together a championship team. You know, I think she saw, I think there's got to be some value of looking at what Courtney and Allie went through and winning that championship with the team that you helped build. And I think Kaz even mentioned how, while she was with Washington, Chicago really is all that she's known in her WNBA career because she's spent seven years here. And that's the part where you can easily convince yourself like, yeah, someone like Kalia Copper Definitely I could see wanting to go after it now, now that she's locked in for two more years and try to make this thing work. I also kind of agree with, uh, was it your friend Shimmy, who was on the podcast just about there weren't going to be a lot of destination. Is that wrong? <laughs> you, you gave oh, me- No, no, no. It's like,
1: she's the, she's the color analyst on, on TV. I wish Shimmy was my friend. That would be cool. Oh. We, talk, more, <laughs> we talk way more basketball.
0: I'm not going to lie, man, The since, because we're dealing with a little bit of Wi-Fi issues, it broke up a little bit when you said the last name. I'm like, oh, I didn't quite catch that. Um, But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I just kind of, I look at Ka and her situation and seeing, probably does look at the field and being like, Atlanta would be, I think would be the easiest team for her to go to in terms of cap space and star talent and she could easily win a championship in Atlanta next year if she... Where to go there. I do feel pretty strongly about that, just given how the dream are trending in the right direction despite an up and down season. But I think there's something to be said about hey, you know what caused the star here and the sky can now build around her for the next couple of years. What do you think like where do you think the sky go from here? I mean I know that it's a little early to talk about it given that they're still alive in the playoffs, but what do you think comes next for the sky and Kalia copper. I mean, do you think the sky? Yeah. Like do you, th- what do you think comes next? Is it built like trying to contend again next year or is it trying to retool after this kind of rebuild didn't go the way that they thought it would going into this year? Like, where's your head at with that one?
1: I've been interested in seeing what uh, the, the dialogue has been on the net the last couple of weeks, because it's, not vacillated between, but it there's there's thoughts that I think are somewhat in opposition to each other that I've seen from the same people. And this is not a knock on down. These are colleagues of mine, people that I've interacted with. I believe in their their, their astute analysis of the game. And I like them personally, you know, sp- specifically. I I like these people. I if I didn't like them, I wouldn't shout them out. But I think people have talked about the fact that this will be, one, they, they say it'll be a dangerous team next year with the returns from injury of Izzy Harrison and Rebecca Gardner, you know, granted if they resign. But I've seen some of those people also saying that the Sky are in a really shit place because they don't have draft picks for the foreseeable future. Now, it wasn't the entire roster that was contingent on the trade that got left those draft picks but they bankrolled a good amount of their future on the efficiency and effectiveness of Marina Mabry, which we have seen in spurts this year. So the retooling, because it's definitely a retooling. They didn't go for the draft. They didn't go for, you know, a number of unknown commodities from overseas. I think there's some viability in it. it's just, you know, barring a catastrophe on either Las Vegas or New York's, Locker room, are you in a position to contend for a title in the next two years? Because now that's your timeline, 2024 and 2025. Because you're presumptive superstar, that's their deal. I don't, you know, unless there's another title, and even if there is another title that Chicago gets in that time frame, maybe Kyle just says, you know what, I want to, I want to choose my next adventure after the after her contract runs. So I, I don't know what you – I think you're, you're definitely waiting for those pieces to come back because it's a different season with Rebecca Gardner no matter what. It's a different season with Rebecca Gardner. It's a different season with Izzy Harrison. If you have both of those players for even 75% of the year rather than 0.5% of the year, I, it's probably less than that. I don't, I, I don't know um, statistical math that well. I'm saying that on a basketball podcast
0: no (laughs) no you're totally right and losing Rebecca Gardner I think in terms of the public consciousness people outside of Chicago don't understand like how big of a deal it was to lose the sixth person that was going to be coming off your bench and her or Dana I mean in terms of that top six spot but when you lose a player like her and again, you have to throw Alana Smith into the fire again and trust her immediately to be the starter for this team. And she performed well. Again, she's a most improved candidate for a reason, but losing Isabel Harrison is also a major blow. She's someone that's battle tested and even man, looking at some of those minutes yesterday, like they really could have used someone like Isabel Harrison that just kind of a funkier front court player to just, kind of mess with Las Vegas' rhythm a little bit on both ends of the floor. So, yeah, I do think that they're probably going to have to figure out what comes next with um, Rebecca Gardner. who, I mean, she's once again a reserve free agent, so she can only negotiate with this guy. I believe that's what a reserve free agent is. That's the difference between being restricted and reserved. So I'm curious where that goes. I do wonder if Atlanta Smith's on this team next year, even though... I mean, I think she's just, she's earned a contract, you know, she's earned a, I think she might get more than a hundred K from someone. I wouldn't surprise me if now that Atlanta won't be able to enter the Kalia copper sweepstakes, not sure if they were going to anyway, but I think when someone like that is available, you kind of try and do that. If you have cap space, I do think Atlanta Smith could potentially be a player that fits with Atlanta potentially, even if they're trying to get bigger. So she's an unrestricted free agent. Um, There's a little bit of tinkering this team can do outside of trades because of how much money they're stacking up here. I mean, Marina Mabry is also making 208K next year, Isabel Harrison, 160K, Elizabeth Williams, 135K. And, you know, it's just going to be a little bit tougher to build through free agency. And obviously, that becomes even more difficult when you don't have as much draft equity as you did. They do, I guess they will technically have another first round pick to trade now because it's three years out. So they would have the 2026 pick that they can trade because again, move up to 2024 free agency. You have another pick to trade. I think a lot of sky fans would cringe at the idea of trading (laughs) another draft pick after all they've gone through. Oh, given how Marina Mabry's played, I'm curious. Do you think the sky would even shop Marina Mabry? That's something that someone texted me the other day and I'm like, God, the optics of that would be terrible. But if you're a good GM, you don't think about the optics. <laughs> well,
1: it depends on who the GM is now, right? Because is the previous GM's call, and like any regime change, like like any change in the executive branch of a team, the new organi- the new the new order would like to put their stamp on things. So, if James Wade had finished out the season, I would have said, "Hell no, there's Agreed. no way." Because you don't let some you don't make a move like that and then kick it to the curb after a year. But in this time and age, maybe they consider it. I think it's more of like 90, 90 to 95% that they would at least consider moving Marina Mabry because it's a big deal to have on your cap, especially now that Kyle has signed your room to maneuver is a lot smaller. And there's actually some decent free agents on the market, just looking at Richard Cohen's 2024 free agency list. Mm-hmm. Aside from the Skyler sweepstakes, which should be uh, gangbusters, considering that Phoenix was just like, well, you know, we don't really need or want Skyler, Diggins, Smith on our team anymore, I guess.
0: Bizarre you have some say play- those words out loud. I have someone who's a first <laughs> team caliber type player in the WNBA, but, you know, I... I I digress, Chris. I digress.
1: <laughs> there are some players out there who would really feel a need for the sky and they would come not cheaply, but they would come, I think, with, in an affordable price. Leisure Clarendon uh, right now is, is an unrestricted free agent and a player that, who we've talked about a lot in the past couple of years just given their proximity and the sky's road to making the playoffs. Um, surprisingly enough, Diamond De Shields is an unrestricted free agent, which would be, I, I don't think that, I don't think that that deal would materialize because even in this condition and how the past few years have gone for Diamond, I don't think she would accept a, an undersold deal, for sure. Um, Tiffany Hayes is an unrestricted free agent. Um, there's a lot of names out here, Nanette Nneka and Shanae Agumakare unrestricted free agents. Even a player like Natasha Cloud, who is absolutely gone from Washington, or Ariel Powers, who was not getting any run in Minnesota. All these players are unrestricted free agents, and I think they still have a lot left in the tank. And as much as I think we've seen what Dana can do, I think you've also seen the necessity of having a backup in some of those spots that could give you a change of pace. At the very least, you know, see what you can get and have a deeper bench. So there's some names out there that would be plausible for this guy to go after that if you say, well, we're not going to re-sign Courtney Williams, then you could pick up somebody else who might give you a bit more um, in terms of either stability or net plus minus, something like that.
0: I think that is all totally fair. And the only reason I bring it up is because of what we just talked about with how many times have we seen in sports, like across all of sports, where a previous GM makes a big move that's sort of controversial, controversial, or even not even controversial, it can just be any move. You sign a player to a two-year deal, a new GM comes in, and they want a new coach, they want new personnel, because they want to align. They came in because they needed different ideas, right? They They value different ideas than what the previous iteration of the front office or just the previous iteration of the team looked like you know that's where i'm just curious where marina kind of plays into all of this where dana plays into all of this because there's just a lot of overlap in some of that talent i think that's something we've learned throughout this season is that there was just a lot of overlap in skill set and some other the other things that the sky needed to be successful they didn't have because the money was tied up in some of those other players that we've seen and I still I got to hammer it, too, because I, again, just brought up the idea of trading Marina Mabry. Let's not forget that back in February, this guy called Kalia Copper the assistant GM, right? James Wade's talking to Kalia Copper throughout this entire process. And if in that USA basketball camp that they were all at, they're talking about how they can play with each other and cause like, hey, you know what? Now is the new face of the franchise, like the face of the franchise. I want to play with Marina Mabry fuck you go and make a trade for Marina Mabry. Like, I'm sorry. Like you have to talk for a franchise that has gone through this so many times franchise players where we see them leave for whatever reasons, you know, you gotta, you gotta put the right foot forward here and listen to your superstar. When she says that she wanted a player like that, if that's the case, right? So part of that probably contributes to coming back because the the organization values, her voice and, I didn't love the deal at the time because of that, the 2025 pick, like 2024 obviously has a chance to the number five pick has a chance to be a franchise changing, changing pick for the Dallas wings. Um, But you got to keep your superstars happy. And I think that's really important in this context. If Kalia Copper wants to keep Marina next year, then you got to keep Marina Mabry. You just, you listen to your stars. That is just the number one thing in the player empowerment era across all of sports. That you just do if you want to keep them on your roster so um chris we were going to record a, a playoff preview a little bit before you know things kind of went haywire in our personal lives do you have a prediction for the rest of the playoffs um do you have like a finals prediction going into the rest of this playoffs that uh you know the first day kind of boring not gonna lie you know <laughs> both teams oh, are man. Their business but wipeouts Wipeouts. Um, yeah. Do you have a prediction for which team comes out on top and which two teams we're going to see in the finals this year?
1: Uh, the interesting thing about that Lynx Sun game, I wasn't able to watch it live, but just watching the highlights back, the Sun didn't really pull away until maybe they started they started creating some distance in the second quarter and then really put the gas to it in the third and that was the best that I've seen from Rebecca Allen all season long. Like she got taken off the floor against the sky in favor of Dijanae Carrington and uh, Ty Harris. And I we didn't really see that much of her in the season finale either. So I think that Stephanie White is going with some matchup based uh, rotations outside of D and Alyssa Thomas with regard to, you know, how, how are they using Dijanae? How are they using Natasha Heideman? How are they using, Rebecca Allen, and then how are they using Olivia Nelson Medota? So I think, coaching wise, when you have that team and you thoroughly womp on Cheryl Reeve the way that they did, I don't know if it's going to go that same way in game two, but I think the Sun handled the Lynx. You know, we've talked about the Sky and the Aces, the Mystics Liberty is going to be very interesting and very interesting watch just because I wanted, it's not that I don't ex, I expect a completely different Liberty team than the one we saw the last month and a half, two months. I just want to see how the mystics play it uh, for, in terms of a playoff preview. I think Dallas wins the series against Atlanta. I think Connecticut handles Minnesota. I think Las Vegas comes out of theirs. And I do think New York comes out, but they might be a little bit more scarred than people expect coming out of that series. So really outside of that, it's it's hard to take anything other than the chalk and see uh, Las Vegas and New York in the finals. But the, the Dream and Wing series is gonna be interesting because Dallas has beaten Las Vegas already this year. And Atlanta, if, if they were healthier, I would give them more of a fighting chance to make the next round and make some noise in the next round but it's going to be very interesting seeing who comes out of that if there's any series to watch it's that dream and wing series because the way way Latricia Trammell has the team playing they were one of the better teams over the last 10 games of the season uh, both offensively and defensively when when I checked the stats and they could give Las Vegas at least a fight in a five game series if not
0: outright trouble I'm gonna give you the most controversial prediction ever to be recorded on this podcast. The Las Vegas Aces are going to play the New York Liberty in the 2023 WNBA Finals. Um, look, man, I'm sorry. Like, I I have a lot of respect for Connecticut for what, especially Dewana Bonner. Like, I'll, and I'm glad Alyssa Thomas is getting her flowers and everything, but what Dewana Bonner has done this year too has just been fucking awesome to see. Just continuing to <laughs> build her game, you know? Like she's become. I'm just I've really enjoyed Delana Bonner this season. Um, I just from based on what we saw from the Liberty in the last six to eight weeks in the season, based on how fucking amazing the aces are, and they have a true like six-woman coming off the bench this year with Alicia Clark. Um, I mean, talk a two-time champion, defensive stalwart, someone who Shot the three ball really effectively this year. I just think we're going to see those two in the finals. I just feel really strongly about that. And even going through my predictions and everything, I was just—I try to talk myself into, okay, what can Connecticut do? Like they, we've seen them punch teams in the face and get to a, a place in the playoffs we didn't think they would get to. I just feel so strongly about the Liberty and the Aces meeting for. A showdown for the ages. I, re- I really hope that becomes the case because I do think, based on where these two are at, and I do think the Aces are actually a better team than the Liberty when Candace Parker <laughs> is active and maybe uh, I just think that can kind of change things a little bit. I just think we're going we're going to be seeing Aces Liberty in the finals this year, and I have no strong prediction about who would come out on top. I think I kind of lead Liberty right now just based on how they finish the year but i i, I really do feel like it's going to be pretty straightforward in that sense and i can't wait to be fucking wrong about that and dallas beats the aces <laughs> and <laughs> liberty don't make the finals and you know james ends up looking like a dumbass once again like you know it. it here we are but um i do feel pretty confident about that and uh yeah that's just kind of where i i stand with it at this point but we're gonna we're gonna be coming back after game two on Sunday, we might record on Monday. I think that might be the plan, but whether the sky win or lose, we just appreciate you all taking the time to listen to us knuckleheads talk about Chicago sky basketball. Um, Chris, is there anything that you want to add before we wrap up? You're also a mom. Yeah, seriously. Uh, you know, praying for Chris and his family right now. Um, and you know, I won't, and more than just that but um again we want to thank you all for listening to the show if you want to reach out to us you can find us at our mailbag which is the Mailbag at gmail.com one more time that is the Mailbag at gmail.com and if you want to find us outside of the audio version of the podcast you can do so by checking out our link tree which is located in the episode description thanks again for listening to the show and until next time